When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 67. My name's Turner Sparks. My name is Mr. Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at K-A-P Cap in America. America. Kaplan, on the podcast today, we have Jeremy Carrican, playwright. Yes. Jeremy Carrican. I have an old friend of mine. An old friend of yours. A very interesting character. And it, this guy has done everything. We're going to find out. We're going to yeah. get into it. But he dabbles in politics. He's been very involved in the libertarian world. He's a playwright. He, he's a playwright. Inside the Actor Studio. Yeah, he has stories uh, for the, from Inside the Actor Studio about, uh, about James Lipton. Yeah. We're going to find out. But before we get to all that, I want to start with, um, oh, I was just in New Mexico. Can I start there? Let's start. Speaking of uh, libertarian, the home of Gary Johnson. The home of Gary Johnson. New Mexico. I had a blast. Shout out to everyone in Hobbs, New Mexico, and Carlsbad, New Mexico. I had two sold-out shows. They were tons of fun. Met everybody <laughs> in both towns. I took a picture. The mayor came to my show in Hobbs, New Mexico. Fan of the pod? Big fan of the pod, Mayor Cobb. Oh, good, great mayor. I got a picture. Great, We're going to put all middle mayor, I've heard. And then I heard a guy running for mayor, Dick Doss. Shout out to him in Carlsbad, New well, Mexico. You can't give shout oh, Is the other guy not going to run for re-election? Two different towns. Oh, two different towns. Okay. Yeah. They're all oh. all middles. Okay. And so Dick Doss came to my <laughs> Dick show. Doss. I didn't get a picture with him, though, but he's not mayor yet, but he's going to win. I got a good feeling. Yeah. I saw well, signs. We got to back a winner. We have a bad track record at this point. Exactly. So let's we back need some to get, winners. We need to get ourselves. We need to get. Uh, Mayor Cobb reelected in Hobbs. Yeah. Even though I don't know if he's running anytime soon, but we're getting him reelected, and then we're going to get Dick Doss elected in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you to all the crowds. I'll be back there soon. We're this already is, making this plans. Is, this podcast is like the new Rush Limbaugh for a new era. Exactly. <laughs> we get people elected all over the place. Yeah. We're making it happen. So that's that. This weekend, come out to. I'll be in Hong Kong. The, at the <laughs> Come out to Hong Kong. Come out to Hong Kong. If you were planning a getaway, you have some miles accrued if you're an American if listener. If you saw me in Carlsbad, New Mexico, now we're going to Hong Kong. Yeah. Get on the flight. I'll be at the Takeout Comedy Club January 19th and 20th, this Friday and Saturday night, with Texas John is going to be performing with me. Remember him? Is that his real name? That's his real name okay, from the pod. Like, okay. Remember him? I remember Texas from John. Shout out. Early pod. pod. He'll be on there. He'll be doing the shows with me. Then after that, there's been some Me Too uh, claims against some of his moves. Oh, oh, (laughs) I don't know if he wants to appear in public. Listen, this was a pre Me Too world. when he did those things. Okay. Then um, (laughs) next Monday and Tuesday, uh, January 22nd, 23rd, I'll be in Saigon, aka Ho Chi Minh City, with Gina Yashere, also from the pod. All right. And then January 24th, I'll be in Hanoi. January 27th, <laughs> I'll be in Bangkok with Jocelyn Chia from the pod. you got any Vietnam material? Gonna be That's all out? for now. Plus, I got, oh, I'm doing February 3rd. I will be in Shanghai at the Kung Fu Comedy Club recording my first hour of comedy. It'll okay. be an audio hour. It'll go onto iTunes. We'll sell it on here. It'll go into everywhere. Plus, I might do video, too. I'm trying to work that out right now, but definitely audio. So come out to that. Tickets are gonna for that show are going to sell out February 3rd at the Kung Fu Comedy. And you got to laugh, people. This is going to be an album. E- yeah, you got to laugh big, even if you don't like it. Yeah. Even if you don't like me, I don't care. Yeah, laugh. That's fine. Give it the biggest, uh, the, the laugh track laugh. The laugh you hear on sitcoms. Exactly. So that being said, should we get to Lost in America? Let's play the music. Play the music. We're back, Kaplan. I'm lost in America, but there is someone who's more lost, way more lost. <laughs> a new lost American of the year, early candidate for 2018 most lostest American in the year of the year. The guy in Hawaii who accidentally pushed the nuke his landing button. Yeah, I was like offline that day. What exactly happened? He who, just okay, so. I guess what happened is everyone in Hawaii got a text message at some certain time that said, 
a ballistic missile has been launched and is headed straight for us. This is not a drill. Seek cover. Right. And then 45 like, minutes. Like a nuclear weapon? Or like it just... said a ballistic missile. Right. So I don't know what that means. Okay. But I think everyone just assumed that means a nuke. Right, from North Korea. I think that um, the rocket man's going to be rocket. probably already launched something off. Yeah. And then four, I think it was 40 minutes later, another a follow-up text message, follow-up text message came that said, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, my bad. No <laughs> nuke. We uh, we pushed the wrong button. So what button was he trying to push? Well, there. How is there a button? A yeah. nuke is landing button. Yeah, it should be like. I mean, to write that text, it should be like to go through a chain of command. That's what I thought. You would have to first. One guy like gets the word where I don't know where that word comes from that right. a nuke's coming. You tell your boss. He tells his boss. He tells his boss. There's a meeting. So there's got to be some, of a bunch right. of generals. Do we send it out? And then or they say, do we send sign it off. out? And then when they can all agree, then it gets sent out. No one even... Yeah, it should be like the way like... Um, no one contacted the president. Like People like Hillary Clinton or someone, the way they like workshop a tweet before they actually send out a tweet. Exactly. That should be the way this goes out. Like yeah. It shouldn't be the spontaneous Donald Trump style tweeting. No. <laughs> it should be... It should like, go through all those guys who have that dumb podcast, the... Uh, the uh, what's that super Obama podcast? The Pod Save America. Jesus. Yeah, the Pod Save America. All those douchebags. One it's, of those guys is a Sixers fan, so he's okay. But the rest are they all have s- names of like I don't like them because they name themselves after celebrities, so you think they actually are one. Isn't there like John Favreau's a guy? I think it's his real name. And then there's another guy who's like some other. I don't know. He's like John Lovitz. Yeah, they're all like trying to be <laughs> comedians. And so Fuck those guys. anyway, yeah, you need to get those guys to workshop the tweet. Yeah. Or we can workshop. But so he accidentally pressed. What was he trying to send out? Like, was it like a different tweet? Like, hey guys, have a great Sunday. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Just check it in. No bombs. It's been how many days since Pearl Harbor? It's been. Do you think they have to like go back to the office and turn over the sign and turn it back to zero days since yeah. since we accidentally yeah, sent out a tweet? Yeah, exactly. That said a nuke's about to land. So why have this just because of Pearl Harbor? Where like we do like do other states have their own specific tweet a text that goes out? I don't know. If there's but attack coming. What's funny? I was watching CNN and they were. I think it was. It must have been sent out by someone who's liberal because CNN was really defending it. Right. They were saying that it was. Well, saying, they were blaming the original reaction. I think was to blame Trump. Somehow, this was his fault. He's caused a panic. Because he was golfing? No, because he's caused a panic with the North Korea thing, and people are, like, on edge. And... Oh, okay. But he's not the one who pushed the button. No, no, he didn't do anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has a big button. But he didn't push he it. He does have the biggest button. That's what makes me nervous about how easily he could push a button. If the text can go out like this. Well, no one believed there was actually a button until apparently now it is. Yeah. So, they, but they said that, um, uh, they were like, listen, at least the good news out of this is that we know that... Hawaii does have a text message system where if a ballistic missile is landing, right. they can tell us about it, and they brag that they were the first state in the union to get it. The first state in the union. All right, well, I mean. To ro- well, they're also the first state in the union <laughs> uh, to freak out I everyone mean, in their country. I'd rather brag to be, like, the first state in the union to, like, I don't know, legalize gay marriage or pot or something, but, yeah, we could be the one, first ones to freak out our populace into <laughs> yeah. a total panic, and they're still in bomb shelters now as we speak. So are you as lost as this guy? How are you? I think I'm equally as lost, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I went to the barbershop last week to get my hair cut. All right. And I left my cell phone at home because it was charging. I wow. forgot that you can charge in a barbershop. Yeah, we can charge anywhere nowadays. So I go in there. I sit down, and it was a snow day. It was a snow day. So only one of the barbers showed up out of four. So there's one barber, and then there's three people waiting for the barber. So I have to sit and wait. As I sit and wait, I don't have my phone. I looked next to me. Everyone else is on their phone. Yeah, of course. So I'm like, okay, I'll just get a magazine. You got to have car and driver, I'm sure, or like ink or some <laughs> tattoo, some barbershop, mat, like a right. manly, you know, right. like a Sports Illustrated. No magazines. Nothing. Did you ask? I did. I said, do you guys have any magazines? No. The newspapers, nothing? Because they assume now everyone's on their phone. So why do you need a magazine? I mean... Some people leave their phones at home. Some people fire off ballistic missiles. Some people leave their phones at home. No, I mean, that's unexcusable. Like, when I'm... Like, I get mad at myself if I go on a phone when I'm in one of those kind of waiting room things. I'm like, this is time to read a magazine. Exactly. Like, you know, when your doctor's off, your kid's office, you read Highlight Magazine. You know, remember that? Exactly. Yeah, you get the highlights, you get to color it in, you get yeah. to find now, this the... this is why uh, you've really... I'm not going to cry for you, though, because you did not go to the, the official barber of the pod, the Ninth Street Barbers in East Village. Well, you know why I didn't go? I don't want to uh, tell tales out of school here, but when he gave me a haircut and I asked for a buzz cut, yeah. I got a lot of backlash from well, fans of the pod that I didn't <laughs> cut it short enough. Well, you, it was your fault. You didn't pick a low enough number. I blame him. Well, you know what? I will tell you what they have at that barbershop. They have magazines. Let me tell you the magazines they have. They have Playboy magazine. Oh. And 
They have Out Magazine. They have both. Whoa. Yes, they are a very uh, alt mill. <laughs> yeah. They got GQ. Okay. They got Sports Illustrated. I'm listening. And I think they have a New York Post. So they got a lot of options. Really good reading material. Well, I might have to switch. If you want to read, that was that was the place where I originally discovered the Playboy had got rid of nudity. Oh, really? It was like a jarring moment in my life. They got to be back to nudity by They're now. They're back to nudity they? now, okay, I think. Good. And pr- the President Trump era, we can't. Hey, by the way, in the in the like uh, levels of terrible decisions by a business, that's like the like I think McDonald's getting rid of hamburgers. Yeah, that's not known. We here. just sell fries now. Yeah, we hamburgers aren't healthy. We've decided exactly. We're gonna go vegan. That that was a bad decision. Well, can I tell you how uncomfortable it is to sit? Because it's also a small barbershop. Yeah. To sit two feet from a guy while he gets his haircut and just stare at him and watch right. him get his haircut the whole time because you can't look at a magazine. It'd be more uncomfortable. If you know you were reading Out magazine and he was giving you a weird <laughs> look, like what the hell? No, uh, or Playboy. I you guess were you're a right. Too excited by the Playboy, so maybe that's what they're stopping people from. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, the bar, the, the people it, magazines are dead. I'm sorry to say. I think While you were right. gone, it happened. I think that's basically. Do they still it. in China? Are they still like on the phones with everything, or does people actually read print? Does print exist? No, I don't think print exists anymore. Mm. I think it's completely over. Um, but anyway, that's it. Should yeah. we get to Ents? Ents is an app. Ints is an app. Yeah. Ints, you can get it in the app store. You can get it at ints.com, uh, I think now, or ints.nyc or something like that. Ints, go to Ints. Uh, ints is up to five-minute audio recordings. You can do voice messages. You can message back and forth like people do with Twitter, like di- di- uh, direct messaging, you know? Yeah. DM, I think they call it. DMing it. Yeah, you can record music that you're uh, that you're recording. See if people like it. See if your friends like it. You can do you can do songs. You can do whatever you and want. You can send man. us questions at Lost in America or at uh, Turner Sparks. Exactly. Send us questions. We will play or, them or on just the pod. Answer any stories you think are interesting, and we'll comment on them. Whatever just you want. This week, let's hear from you. Because <laughs> we. All right. Let's get. Uh, I see Jeremy's out there. Jeremy Carrickin. Let's bring him in. The playwright. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> All right, we're back with our guest, Jeremy Carrickin. Hello. Welcome to the show. Carrickin the American. Thanks for being here. Thanks for doing the show. Great to be here. Thank you. This is a lovely space you've got here. It's pretty good. Ents is an app. We just talked about it. Yeah, they have a wonderful studio. I have spent like... 30 minutes talking with the Ents guys, and that's a neat app. Oh, yeah. See, this is good. This is like a new theme of the pod, is everyone gets pitched the Ents app right before they come in. (laughs) Did they sell you the hot sauce, too, or are they just stuck? They focused on the hot sauce? Oh, you got to get the sauce. Good. They took notes off our last pod, and they they were focusing more on just the the app today. Exactly. But we will. You get a parting gift. Hot sauce seems a strange pairing. I mean, that's not what you'd call. you know, horizontally integrated. Listen, right. I would agree with you, but they pay our bills, so <laughs> uh, it's vertical. So like half a bitcoin, whatever. You've been a playwright for a long time. I have. I've been a playwright since uh, I don't know how long I've been. I, I've never been a good playwright, but I've been a playwright <laughs> for I don't know twenty years. Yeah, twenty five years, something like that. And then, but you also work inside the actual studio, which you're that's like. right. For the last seventeen years, since I graduated with my playwriting MFA. Uh, from the Actors Studio Drama School at New School. Uh, since I graduated from there, I have been the researcher for Inside the Actors Studio. So those are actual students? Those are actual in students. In the audience? Y- yes. I, I always like assumed a- it was just like actors or like whatever. Like, like people uh, that go to uh, TV shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, only MFA students are allowed to ask those ridiculous questions at the end. <laughs> and that's actually how I got the job. You well, asked the, a question? I asked a question. Well... No, I kind of, uh, I kind of. What is (laughs) art? Well, during during the interview with Alan Alda, um, they they were he he asked Jim Lipton asked Alan Alda that you know your movie um, the Four Seasons Carol Burnett pops up out of a sunroof and goes, "Are we having fun yet? Did you make up Did you make up that phrase because you wrote the movie?" And Alan Alda goes, "Yeah, I think I, I think I might have." And then, of course, like an asshole, after the, uh, after the show, you know, during the whack-a-mole section, when we all pop up with the microphones, I said, no, actually, you didn't make it up. It's from uh, Zippy the Pinhead, six years before the movie was made in 1974, <laughs> uh, r- written by a guy named Bill Griffith. And they looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> Your question was not a question. It was my a question. correction. It was a correction. <laughs> and how old were you? Oh, I, what was I? Tw- Twenty nine. Amazing, like that. Yeah. So I, uh, 
And then you were hired on the spot for knowing that? No, <laughs> he was just like, how does he know this? And I, and I kept asking weirder questions, too. I would have asked him if it breaks. If, uh, is it really funny? or if it, no? <laughs> is James Upton a professor? Ben did funny. He was, okay, no. Okay. <laughs> he, but he was a, well, he, is, he was the dean... He was the dean of the school and is now dean emeritus of the school. He was a um, he was a pimp in Paris, but we'll get back to that. He oh, was oh. a <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's start there. <laughs> Let's get him on the pod. So he was. What's the difference between pimping in Paris and pimping yeah, in? It's it was more, legal. It's much more cultured. Really? Yeah, it was what you call a mac. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? A mac, a macaro. Uh, <laughs> like I'm supposed to know what that is? What yeah, does it mean? Mac, that's where the word mac comes from. Macaro. It means mackerel. But oh, like would, if you're macking on a girl? Yeah. That's where that comes from? Macaro, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what James Lipton was? Yeah, so you it's not as easy to like get a job like waiting tables <laughs> after like after the war in Paris. He's <laughs> How old is he? <laughs> Older than you might He's think. He's 92. 92. I, right? I, 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 I can't Whoa. remember how to say anything oh, yeah, about oh. that. Are you serious? Might yeah, he might be. According to Cap, he's 92? He is, of, he is of age. I thought he was like 60. He ages very well. He once owned Pilates, so he does that every day. So he's a what do you mean, owned Pilates? The company? After Yes, after <laughs> Joseph Pilates <laughs> Wow! Died. There was a Joseph he, Pilates? <laughs> this man like... has been everywhere. Yes, there was the guy who invented Pilates. Hey, Joe? Joe Pilates? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pilates? <laughs> but after he died, or his name was Pilates. He left it to James Lipton? We'll go no, with Joe. No, he... Other people owned the rights to it, and I think he and a couple other people bought it so they could give it to the widow. Oh. It's, he's been all sorts of weird places. He just Okay, so after the war in Paris, so World okay. War II. I, I, I can't say which war. The war. It was oh, okay. probably World War II. Let's yeah. go with that one. It wasn't so, the Vietnam War. <laughs> he, was, he was a writer. He was hanging out with George Plimpton and stuff, but it's impossible to get a job there unless you're French because there's not a lot of jobs there, and they don't want... They don't, you can't be a waiter because waiting tables there is incredibly regulated. Okay. So one of the things that was available for... Men to do was to tout for brothels to go hang out by the American Express office and say, you know, hey, you want to see two women make out? And and he ended up. Who working, says no to that? Who says no? So he ended up making uh, making um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, he ended up producing the live sex shows and stuff. And, <laughs> wow, yeah. this part of his story I don't think people know about, right? It's in his book. Yeah, I get, otherwise oh, really? I wouldn't say it in public. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, are you breaking news here? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you gonna get fired when this <laughs> comes out? So we went to, you know, when we went to Paris to interview um, uh, Jean Moreau and um, Juliette Binoche. Oh, uh, big fan. But yeah, who's not? <laughs> uh, he took us to his old brothel. Like some people go to really? see visit. Yeah. Some people go visit, like, this was my childhood house. <laughs> yeah. That's this like, is where my family was. Did he knock on the door, left. like, all no, sheepishly? I around the bedroom. Can I just, uh, this is... This... <laughs> well, he graciously, you know, he allowed us to bring our spouses with us, and oh. I did not go any further than the door jam. I feel like he is the classic example of if you carry yourself with enough, like, sense of polish. Yeah. He's very polished. No matter what you do, seems classy. Even all the way to a pimp in Paris. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, then he's had a storied life. You know? Wow. Okay. So you ask this question. You impress. You get involved. Were you already writing plays at this point? Well, I was. A, I was a playwriting student. I had written a couple of plays that you know, like most of my plays went nowhere. But I got a chance to work with Romulus Linney, who was the playwriting uh, teacher at the Actors Studio Drama School, who is an amazing who was just an amazing playwright, one of those um, writers who did things on both, you know, he did plays, he did novels, he was, and he was just a William Faulkner-esque kind of guy that I, I adored. And he's also Laura Linney's dad. Wow. So, and so okay. <laughs> so what about your play? What, what? Um, oh, my play this, that's coming th this Thursday? Well, let's start with the beginning. What was the first play that you put on? I mean, how many, how many, well, Maybe not. How many number are you going to say you've written like hundreds of plays that oh, have I don't know about been hundreds. put on? I've written about 10 or whatever, 10, 15. And you've done a couple outside of the United States, right? I have. I've had, uh, I had what, one done in Australia, uh, in Melbourne. I think that's how they pronounce it now. I think you're right. Uh, really? Well, yeah. I always get it wrong. Uh, they don't pronounce the hard R. They don't pronounce the R, yeah. All right. So, uh, how, did, how did that come about? I, for this Jewish theater company in Melbourne. Shut up. Shout out. Just yeah. Jewish? Shout out Jewish. Just the idea of being Jewish? Yes. Well, this, but my play wasn't Jewish, necessarily. I mean, I am, but my, uh, my, my, my 
the ju my Jew play didn't come from many years later. But they, this play about physicists called Big Train, they asked if they could perform it because I think, because it had already gotten done at the Actors Theater of Louisville and they'd heard about it. And um, they how does put it on. It, how does your word sound in like an Australian accent? Is it, or is it? Well, it's interesting because there's they had to do it in an American accent because it oh. takes place in like the American West. So oh. they all did American. They're Australian accents. actors really? doing American accents, but they're very good at yeah. it. You've seen the, yeah. the actors lately, so I mean, Ben, you know, Mendel, Ben Mendelsohn, he does a good American accent. They all do. And what was that play about? That play was about physicists in the American West. <laughs> okay, but in, in, <laughs> in like it was like it feels like a western. It's a short play. It's a what act, but it's about. It, they, they start riffing on some sort of weird blues lyrics, and then you realize that they're particle physicists, and then you also realize that there's something mystical that's going on that it's called... It, it, you just have to see it. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange piece. Uh, but that's, that got done uh, at... Uh, that was before the big you know, science play thing got going, and so that was it. And then you did... And when you take... Because you got something else in Ireland as well, is that correct? I did. I had a play called uh, Duck, Rabbit, Duck, in Ireland, in uh, at the Dublin Fringe, I had a friend of mine who was a reader for the Abbey Theatre, which is a very famous storied theatre in Ireland, uh, where you know that's where, in some ways, the revolution started. Um, in a lot of ways, there, you know, John Millington sang at his plays there, and it's very much a historical theater about being Irish. And my play had nothing to do with about being Irish, but she said, oh, she was a friend of mine, uh, Lucille Redmond, uh, if you're out there. Hello, Lucille. Uh, shout she, out. Shout out. <laughs> um, she said, oh, you should send it to the Abbey. And I thought, that's a terrible idea. My, I'm not Irish, and neither is my play, but I sent it anyways, and one of the readers there uh, was a director and a producer and said, I want to do this in the Dublin Fringe, and that's how that happened. And that was a great, that was fun. And so when you're doing this, are you going, did you go to Australia? Did you go to Ireland? I did not go to Australia, but it turned out my in-laws were living there at the time, and they're not Australian. So it was, they were working for Kodak, or my father-in-law was working for Kodak, and he had a, an assignment there for a year and a half, and he went to go see it. That's it cool. What did he say? They liked it? Uh, I don't think he was allowed to say that he didn't like it. <laughs> no, I mean like the people in Australia. Oh yeah, they liked it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. They, they liked it absolutely. Is um, pl are plays difficult to translate uh, internationally? Meaning, like, is the meaning is anything is it specifically American? Or they take on they will take on new meanings, um, depending on where they're performed. My my play uh, Duck Rabbit Duck didn't have to be in an American setting. That was kind of an absurdist thing. And I guess it makes sense that the Irish kind of got it because, you know, Beckett and, uh, all, you know, that, that's a good introduction to absurdist theater, if, if not the best. So um, that didn't have to be American, but there are some plays that would have to be American that I write and others that just wouldn't. Yeah, I feel like with comedy, when I'm trying... Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, sometimes you'll get laughs in different places. They won't laugh at stuff that Americans will laugh at, but we'll laugh more at stuff that Americans don't laugh at. That's absolutely right. The, the they are there are different senses of humor. Uh, I feel like I'm along the German, English, American, Australian axis of humor rather than the French, which is a different curve. Like if you look at Moliere and Old Shakespeare, you get why they're they're just different. Right. Like the French hate Monty Python and the Germans love it. So I'm sort of more on that level. French. I mean, I'm not going to be on the side of the French on any of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose the Monty Python side. Well, I mean, the, why do the French like Jerry Lewis? And yeah. we absolutely don't. So, so you're saying the more slapstick. <laughs> yeah. Like the so, more big, big, broad. I think their slapstick is more artistically uh, rarefied. Like they have the mime history, like whereas... The British have the fish slapping dance from Monty Python. Okay. The great English slapstick, but that's more a fight against reality itself, whereas in some ways the French slapstick is more of a dance. I right. think. Also, in right. English, it's like we just, just, they sound smarter than us. So if I don't, even if I don't get the joke, I'm going to laugh because like, <laughs> I, I know it's a good joke. But the French, I don't, I don't give them any of that. Don't I don't concede them, them anything. So they got to make. You know, I just heard that uh, there's this big thing where a bunch of the French comedians, people are, French people are starting to, who speak English, bilingual, are starting to pull the U YouTube videos of French comedians and then translating them to English. 
and it's mostly stolen. A lot of them are stolen from American comedians. Oh, that's hysterical. Including this guy, Gad, whoever. Do you know, have you heard of this guy? This new guy, Gad, Gad something. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot, really. Oh, no, 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 no. Wonder Woman is stealing. G-A-D, G-A-D, Gad something. He's Not Josh Gad. His first name is Gad. He's like the Seinfeld, like Seinfeld loves him. Seinfeld brought him to America. Oh, I right. think I've heard of this guy. And has put him on tour, and he's like trying to develop this English hour. And he's all the stuff. He's stolen. like on Seinfeld, like boosts him to the top. So he's doing all these right. theaters. It's all a lot of it's stolen from Seinfeld. Oh, that's why he likes it. They're finding. I don't know if Seinfeld knew. This should be one of your goals. It'd be. Wouldn't you be awesome if you all of a sudden one day there's a big scandal that like the biggest French comic is stolen like through your bits? And... Oh, I thought you were gonna say <laughs> I steal from French people. No, no, no. They steal from you. Well, you steal from other Americans to go to China. You, do you speak Chinese? No. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sad. That used to happen when I was first there. You would see comedians, not as much anymore, but they almost like Chinese <laughs> comedians when they would start in Chinese. They didn't even know you were supposed to be original. <laughs> it's like I'm oh, doing right. a performance. And people were doing like Chris Rock bits, <laughs> but like some skinny that Chinese not, guy. Yeah, that's amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing is to keep your girl, your, your daughter off the pole. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they're like, what? Huh? They're what strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. No, but, you know, I mean, but isn't... At some point, if you are a, an observational comedian, yeah. there's only so much about like urban life that you can be observational about that won't cross over to another American observational urban comedian, right? Well, I mean, to any type of, if you're straight observational, it has. To, I think it has to come from, like I do uh, some observational comedy, but it comes from like, it's almost like specific to me, but also like right. it's my observation, but my observation framed in the idea of a, someone who just came back to America after living abroad for 12 years. Right. So then that's not going to overlap. No. But you're right. If you're just like, uh, Seinfeld. like Latino comedians, there's a lot of them that are like, yo, lowrider. Remember, like lowriders are like this and not like that or whatever. <laughs> like there's hundreds of those. Everyone right. has that joke. Black right. people drive like this. Yeah. Uh, white people, oh, people drive like this. The one that like everyone. Uh, Great Simpsons. Like, right, exactly. I'm not saying good comics. Have, I'm saying the hack version of all these different cultures has this. The hack, the biggest hack joke is, uh, oh, like uh, my fill in the blank of your race. Like we beat our kids. White people, they get time out. Like literally everyone. So yes, you're right. <laughs> no, so you're. I can't even do everybody a... but white people beat their kids. I just want to make sure. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah. I, we did a whole podcast about that actually. <laughs> I've literally seen that joke everywhere. I haven't been able to even successfully do the timeout, so I don't even. Who are the white people who are good at the timeout? White people don't even do timeouts. We don't even do timeouts. They don't even like listen. They don't stay. They just leave. <laughs> I, I have this new disciplinary method. Like, you like, you have older kids than me. Handing them the iPhone and say go away. Right, you have older kids than me, so you could tell me what are you. Because if they just don't listen to the timeout, they just walk out of the room. Exactly. I'm not gonna. Uh, what do you do? Oh, you, uh, you're like, <laughs> oh skipper, that's a timeout. White like, people. Fuck off. That, that is the hottest hot take I've ever heard. <laughs> is it white people don't even do timeout? We don't anymore? even know how to do a timeout properly. I don't even know how to. How old are your kids? My Jeremy? kids. Okay, I got a 12 and a nine. Okay. Yeah, so how do you write when you have kids? When you're younger, when your kids running around your house? Do I you, don't. You don't write I at mean, home. That's. I don't write. I either don't write at home, or I wait for the office. I wait till they're off at school. There's absolutely no way to get. I can't even finish my sentences, speaking when the kids are at home. Like at night, when like the lights are low and like the the house is quiet, I'll just look up to the ceiling and just finish the sentence that I started in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way, actually. I'm like trying to write, and I'm like, there's like. I hear like there's like Paw Patrol on on one TV. The kids are like screaming about something else. It's like all filtering in. I'm like, this is not the atmosphere this is not to create anything. <laughs> so. And then okay, and then what's your? I'm skipping around here a little bit, but I have some notes. What about Cuba? What's your relationship to Cuba? Oh, I just went to Cuba this one this year. There was. Uh, we I, should say you're very involved in in the libertarian. Oh, so because politically, politically, he's skipping from <laughs> plays, yes, <laughs> to politics, right. Are you you're also politically active? I, I am like a lot of like a lot of playwrights, but not in the way that most most playwrights are. I'm mm -hmm. kind of a I'm a libertarian ish, centrist ish. What are most playwrights? Pretty left? Oh, they're left liberals, progressives. They're all tripping over each other to, to, to run as far left as they can. Right. <laughs> Has that affected you in the playwriting world at all? Your political probably. I can imagine some people reading I mean, my plays aren't aren't very political, uh, but Although this recent play is very political, um, the uh, most of my plays just don't have a. But I can imagine someone saying, "Oh, I don't want to give that guy any money because he's making fun of what I think of as so important." But I've also gotten jobs because I was not of the 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 left progressive flavor. 
Like I had a play at the Baltimore Center Stage. Uh, they picked 50 playwrights from around the country to explain what America was to a foreigner, kind of. It was called the My America Program. You should have attended this. I should have gone to this. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have a podcast, though. <laughs> right. But of course, all they got were, you know, they got like 35 from New York left liberals. Right, like a bunch oh. of white people from New York who are telling That's people. Not, it, was a very, it was a fairly diverse group. Right. And the, um, uh, so, but then the uh, literary director at the time, Gavin Witt, he was like, well, I've, all, I've got all these, I've got one variety of political thought. And Gavin knew me from, from back from college when he was in grad school uh, at the University of Chicago. He goes, wait a minute, I knew a Republican. I was a Republican then, I'm not anymore. But, uh, and so I did, uh, yeah, so I did something that was not, he hired me because of that. Although that wasn't, that particular piece was not very political either. But So you don't but write it, too political in general? I don't. I feel like I'm trying to unify the audience and yeah. get them all interested in the characters. Why would I say something about, you know, trade policy or... I have the same thing with comedy. Why split the audience immediately? Right. Like, I, I want everyone to, like, like the joke. I, right? I want right. truth. It's also a cheap way to get the audience in New York or in some places where you're like, you could be not even a great comic, but people are like you just because I you won them over with some Trump line. I and call then, it like cheerleader comedy. Yeah. 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 Whereas they're cheering, they're not laughing. How about that Trump? Am I right? Yeah. And then everyone like, yeah, everyone yeah. cheers, but like there's no, there's no... A laugh is like involuntary. A laugh happens right. where a cheer is voluntary. It's like, yes, I think I agree with him. Laughs happen because you're telling some kind of uncomfortable truth to some degree that people are people know in their hearts but don't want to admit that they know. Yeah, and you feel it come out of them even if they don't like it. Right. They may be like, wah, they're laughing, and then they end up like, ooh. Wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. I just, by laughing, I now indicted myself as a racist. I'm like, oh, that's, that's <laughs> what is... That's what's yes, sort of fun but, about right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's going... Most of my jokes are highly racist. I'll be playing at the KKK. Uh, exactly. Later. No, but, but, but so it, you... you yeah. But you... How did you get involved with... You got involved with the Gary Johnson campaign. That was your first political... <laughs> that was a weird... You have a wild uh, path that I, we're working I, our way down. Yeah. <laughs> Picaresque is almost the word for it. Yeah. I went... Um, I tweeted... Roger... I tweeted something and Roger Stone read it when he was... Gary's was was working as a consultant for Gary's campaign before he was Trump's uh... before he was Trump's weirdo cheerleader, but yeah, and then he he'd read something that I written and he noticed I was a writer and he asked if I was uh, able to do some op eds and stuff and I did and then I got to meet Gary and uh, Joe Hunter the head of uh, communications and I got to write more stuff and then I started do you like speeches for him or do you write like okay, so I yeah. write you know speech writing is not like putting together an entire uh, essay, which uh, I guess it, it could be, but a lot of times it's coming up with gags and pithy statements that'll nail people. And that was tweets one of the ways stuff. that was used. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tweets. It was a great time when we were doing live tweeting together, trying to basically, there's a bunch of people that were basically like joke writers for them. It was fun. Really? Yeah, it was great. Well, best time I ever had. Oh, sure. So for our non-American audience, right, because we, we have a lot. Oh, yes, right. Gary Johnson was a libertarian candidate in the 2016 election. And, 2000, and 2012. And 2012. That's when you got started in 2012. Yes, he was the governor oh. of New Mexico. And um, I had just, I liked the guy because he was pleasant. Uh, he was not one way or the other, Republican or Democrat. And he basically thought that people mostly could run their own lives, give or take a few minor exceptions. And I liked that. So There was a certain, there was like a time. A lot, so <laughs> you know, he, he didn't smoke a lot of weed when he was when he was running when right, he was right. training for anything. But yeah, he, he uses yeah. it like, like I good, use beer. Right, it's so. a fun guy. There was a time when I remember last year when everyone decided they hated Trump and they hated Hillary, and I felt like Gary Johnson had a chance or at least a chance to get over like 10, 15, whatever percent. Yeah. There was a short time, right, yeah. when that. But the, the two party system is such an American thing. There was something weird that happened there. Like you know, Gary made a couple of mistakes on the air, right. but everybody makes a lot of mistakes on air. Like well, there was Trump, definitely a concerted effort to yes. like because the, the fact that everybody was. knows you say Gary Johnson and our American audience are going to be like they know the Aleppo mistake. The Aleppo. The fact that they even know that was cons was had. It, and had if you watch the whole, the whole clip that he was on. It's obvious that he was confused by the question because they changed topics so quickly. Right. He thought it was like, like they were first asking him about uh, Latin American immigration. They said, now what are you going to do about Aleppo? And he thought, well, what are you, the American Latin Right. Yeah, and under the, uh, yeah, under, when they're talking about that, whatever, Latin American immigration, what is Aleppo in that? Right. And so, you know, 
unlike a lot of other politicians, when he doesn't know the answer, he'll go, what is that? And yes. Right. He's not. Yeah. He was. He didn't just filibuster until he could about something else. Get completely. a sign from someone in the back of the <laughs> <Yeah>. studio, <laughs> and, and where he'll say, "Well, tell me a little bit more about what you think about that." Just to you know, pause a little bit. And, right. And, and, I also remember once when that happened, all these people posting on Facebook, like, "How could he not know Aleppo?" And yeah. I remember at that point, I didn't know. I remember, like, yeah, did they, I want to be like, did you know what Aleppo was before I had that? No like, idea. Did, nope. Well, and everyone, yeah. and of course, the New York Times was also said, "How could he not know what Aleppo was?" And then they misspelled Aleppo every single time. <laughs> Is that what happened? Or every other time, it wasn't even consistent. Right. Do you think that third parties have a chance in America? No. No. No, I don't. What I do think they have a chance to do is change the conversation, and I do think that they have the chance to alter the two major parties. Human beings, like every other monkey, are both social and competitive. So that means two teams. There's okay. two teams in the world, us right. and them, always. Yeah. And it's, so, and it's gotten worse than, like, I feel worse. like years ago it might have been more of an opening for third party now. Yeah. Because well, you just had this election where it's like, everyone was like, oh, if we only had another choice. Trump, because otherwise you'll have to vote for Hillary. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. And I remember when I was, um, like, wh- whoever I was in a conversation with, if I told them I was undecided, they would say, well, that you're, if you're undecided, that's a vote for Trump. Or if you're undecided, that's a vote for Hillary. It's always a vote for whoever they well, don't exactly. like. Exactly. I don't like, I'm like, how can it be a vote for both? Who do you, you not know? want? Then I, well, that's, I'm voting for that person. It's yeah. like this whole thing, like, why do these issues even, some of them are consistent I, at all. You know what's weird? I feel, maybe this is because of the uh, Trump, I'm not sure, but I, my my age group, I'm 35, mm-hmm. I felt like since the time we were 21, probably even until now, people re- relatively my age, the coolest thing to be was an independent. Yeah, Everyone was independent. <laughs> Younger people than us are not, I figured it was going to go more independent, and right. so it would have a better chance for a third party, but young people are not independent at all. No. no. They all picked a side. But a lot of them don't necessarily show up and vote. They just pick a side and oh, scream okay. about it on social media. Yeah. When, it, when talking, you know, showing up at Tuesday and getting up to vote, eh, it's not so easy. Yeah. Waiting in line. So what, so as from, uh, I would think an out, a non-American would have this question, so I'm, I want to ask it. What, if we don't think that third parties have a chance in the future, what's the motivation to support them? If we have a good four, five, six percent people who say, look, I am both in favor of good, of, of open immigration, uh, of lo- less regulation, gay marriage, all of these things of being more of a, a liberal person in a small L, then suddenly that's a voting block, especially if the other, the other guys are at 49-49, then someone's going to say, go after our issues and say, we'll, we'll do those. Almost like the British parliamentary system where they have to uh, they have to group together. They, have right. to co- they need a coalition. A coalition. So, but is that what, that, that's what brought you to Cuba, though, right? Was that what, what you were... No, what, what it brought me to Cuba uh, is I'm a huge Ben Folds fan. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I love Ben Folds. <laughs> I do, too. I mean, and he was playing in Cuba, and I always wanted to go to Cuba because I also love cigars and rum, so... Uh, the luckiest was my wedding song, actually. It's a lot of people's wedding <laughs> Now we songs. have the song to close this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a big Ben Folds fan, and he was playing, and my wife said uh, she was going to get it for me. to Cuba to play? Yeah, I wonder how he got. All no, that was the thing. Once they opened it up, you could go right. Zach Council yeah. educational somehow or something. Yeah, yeah. well, there was Obama pe- opened it up a right. bit, and a bunch of rock stars went and they played, and you know, uh, this group had been do three or four concerts that week, and we were there at all of them, and we could see also a lot of great Cuban bands uh, that were just mind blowingly good. So, and we got to see Ben learn about you know Cuban. Uh, um, you know, piano styles, and that was fun. We but could you sit didn't in watch that him class. go around Cuba? Or was yeah, it we, yeah, well, it was all in Havana, uh, but okay. yeah. And I love old buildings and, um, and you know, architecture, so that was, I had to go. I had to, I had to get a chance to go, to go to Cuba, so I gotta go. And you met with the Libertarian Party? They have a Libertarian Party in Cuba? They do have a Libertarian is, Party that's in what, Cuba. That's what my mind's blown on that. It was so funny. I, I can't they, believe they had parties. I thought it was just Oh, they get arrested all the time. It's not oh, okay. legal. Uh, so, oh, okay. So no shout-outs. No. So not exactly a party. <laughs> so I, I, I'm there, and some guy comes up to me uh, after one of the first events there and says, excuse me, are you Jeremy Carrigan? And I, <laughs> I am not, I have zero fame, I think. He knew you from the old James Lipton <laughs> episode where you no. called out... Uh, <laughs> he just knew about me on Facebook. The guy from MASH. He hated out all the... <laughs> <laughs> No, he, knew, he knew I was a libertarian, and he'd seen a bunch of things that I'd written on Facebook, I guess. Yeah. And, Jeremy's very active on Facebook. I'll just <laughs> say, it, very. It's true. Uh, so, and he'd said, uh, because, uh, you know, and, and you worked for the Johnson campaign, you were a speechwriter. I said, yeah. This uh, is yeah, a Cuban no, guy, though. 
No, this is an American oh, okay. guy. Oh, okay. And he, this guy, a guy who worked for the Indiana Libertarian Party, uh, Chuck Pullen, and he said to me, hi, Chuck. Shout, shout out. out. <laughs> uh, He's the, a big fan. Great cross-section. <laughs> big listener. <laughs> so we went to, uh, and he said, I'm, I'm going to be delivering toys and band-aids to the Cuban Libertarian Party. Wow. Toys and band-aids. And I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I would love to get arrested here. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, and I said, I didn't realize, I was like you. I was like, I didn't realize they had a Libertarian Party here. Right. And so we get in this cab. Of course, we're getting texts from different, from different phones because they can't be... They don't want their text traced and things like that. Oh my gosh! And is there, do you have a minder or anybody that you have as just being American in Cuba that you have to like lose in this thing? Ben Folds? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> ben Folds in trouble. His roadie. Yeah. <laughs> we had a. I know there was a couple of young Cubans that were with us. I don't think they were political officers right. or anything. Uh. I never felt you know. I I felt that they were like desperate to have us spend money there. Uh, That's yeah. what they wanted. They needed American cash. So, but so we get into this cab. And they don't really have addresses in right. Cuba because things have been such a mess for so long. There's such a lot. So they we have went, ways. Huh? They don't we, have ways. They don't have right. ways. Oh, my God. You know, no American communication Americans satellites. wouldn't be able to drive there. They don't know how to. Well, ways, of course. That's even worse. It's yeah. Israeli satellites. Oh, it is? Ways is in the <laughs> I've never been into it. I'm going to download it now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there were, you know, we're all, uh, you know, so we get one of the worst barrios I'd ever seen. And then finally we found a place through a dirt road. It's a major city uh, that's been around since the 1500s. Down this dirt path, dirt road, finally we get to this apartment that has like a bookshelf of libertarian books. And that is the Libertarian Party headquarters. Wow. There's this studio apartment. Does it have like Gary Johnson's book or? <laughs> no, they had, who do they have? Because my Spanish is not good, but they had, you know, uh, you know, uh, Mies. Uh, road to Serfdom? Or? <laughs> well, yeah, they had Road to Serfdom in Spanish. They oh. had, uh, you know, high, they had high. Did they have any of your plays? No, they did not have any plays. <laughs> Big shrine to Jeremy. <laughs> His Facebook posts. So you showed up, you had a, ba- you had a thing of toys and band-aids? Like you had a we- thing of toys and band-aids, and then all of a sudden we, we start... I would have sent stuff down if I knew you were donating. Oh, well, yeah. Kids have a lot of toys. I now think this visit was a mistake because, you know, there's two these two doughy white guys... Two doughy suburban Americans, obviously, hanging around one of the worst barriers. Right, the cab driver is immediately calling dri- somebody. So of course, they're like calling, like where there's people get, handing out objects, <laughs> and they get raided the next day. I read that. I googled it on b- this morning, and yeah, it oh, seems like there's been some issues with the party. Yeah, they took. <laughs> well, did they take the toys away and the band-aids? I, they didn't take the toys or the band-aids, <laughs> but they're of course thinking that we're dropping off listening devices or broadcasting devices. What are they trying products. to accomplish? The libertarian. I mean, are they waiting for? The Castro's to fall. And same, same as we are. A little bit of freedom Who is here. Who has a better chance of success, the American Libertarian Party? Or the <laughs> <laughs> well. One party um, system hard to overcome or two party? <laughs> I can, they can't afford as big. They can't afford the Patriot Act like we can. So right. <laughs> there are ways around it. But they, they're not allowed to have. Oh, there's just, it was, it was, I felt like, I, I kind of felt guilty afterward, but they assured us that it was very helpful that we dropped off this stuff <laughs> because they're persona non grata. Once you've been arrested for being a dissident, uh, you are, you get the worst apartments, you get the worst, uh, your kids, you know, get kicked out of school, things like that. But they're not, these aren't people who are trying to make a break for it on a, like none of them are baseball pitchers, I guess. They didn't have no. any energy. No shortstops. <laughs> no, well, the they country. love Cuba. They want to stay in Cuba. They want yeah, Cuba. Yeah, they're trying to free. turn their government into something. I mean, different. if I was the, if I hear a bunch of Americans are delivering band aids and toys, I know, I'm like, I would assume there's some sort of contraband in there. That's like, <laughs> I mean, there's two guys, some. two white guys in beards and like Hawaiian <laughs> shirts. It's like that it basically said we could have had like a bumper sticker on our head that said CIA. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. what it looks like. <laughs> it's like obvious. We got to get your next play in Cuba. <laughs> yeah, sure, I'd love yeah, to. I met, a, I met a lot of nice friends down there whose names I won't shout out yes because of course they're you know the cuban government will be listening they're right. coming for us now those <laughs> pods out hey come for us castro <laughs> no, no don't we'll, say that come on start hearing that what weird sound and start vomiting like you know we've, yeah. Yeah. you've already you've already survived his horse meat and lived to tell about that's it. true i've been to cuba i went in I like 2002 yeah he went to semester cuba. yeah and castro had us to this like summer house or something <laughs> castro did yeah he didn't wow. he spoke to us 500 college students. He spoke to us for like five hours. And then he said, uh, like, now we're going to go party at my summer house. But then we got there. He ghosted us. He didn't show up. 
But oh, it was this huge, lame. it was this huge <laughs> Cuban band. What do you call it? Oh, whatever. Yeah, salsa. No, salsa. I don't know. No, they're they have uh, they're probably rumba or yeah, uh, mamba what, or whatever. Yeah, there's a band, a whole buffet, and they served horse meat, and then everyone puked up the horse. They didn't meat. tell him it was horse meat though. It was a big joke he played on the Americans. <laughs> I like horse meat. <laughs> horse Although I will say this: you've had cu- horse meat, really. Yeah, in France, oh. Cheval, yeah, it's oh. good. Sure. With the prostitutes. <laughs> With the prostitutes. <laughs> James, With Lipton. James Lipton told you this is the best place to get a horse. No, nah, <laughs> a horse is tasty. It's like uh, venison. Uh, it's, it's, I thought, but the food in general in, in Cuba is not great. Yes. Uh, Agreed. One thing I will. Really? One thing I thought I Michael s- Morris told me it was really good and it's a movie. It's a little bland. <laughs> Do you know what? You know what Michael Moore's favorite food is? What's that? More. Yeah. The. <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that uh, Cuban food in New York is, I've noticed, is so much better. Yeah, and Miami, it's good. The Miami, it's great. Cuban, yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, still a little bland, but yeah, good. Well, we probably have better spices. Better horse, better quality horse well, up Cuba here. Cuba already is not like spicy because it's yeah. uh, Criollo food, so it's the the you know off the East Coast stuff. So it's not you get it's more like uh, Puerto Rican and uh, yeah. stuff like that. So, but it's good. Plantains. So what's your what's so what's the new play? The new play is called The Red Wool. It's based in uh, the Third Empire, the Third Assyrian Empire, which is in Nineveh, not very far from Aleppo, actually. Uh, but it is, it is about one of the so-called illiterate kings from uh, Assyria. And you may notice that it's a little similar to Donald Trump. You wow. might. It's my first sort of political satire. So that'll be yeah. You're, that'll it please the. The yes. progressive li- well, crowd, crowd. Exactly. feed him uh, something. Although it's not entirely, it's not entirely mean to him, but it's about, um, and there's a lot of sex and violence in it. Uh, so it Just takes the Donald Trump character get to have sex with because he will tweet it out in support of it. If oh you, yeah, there's a if you, give him, true. If you give him one positive, just show him that. Yeah, I, I can't say that, but I, I but I, I well. Maybe, yes. <laughs> I, I put this on Twitter the other day, but I really feel like Trump's going to be like our first president to be in a porn. While he's president. He was, wasn't he? Wasn't he, like, didn't he, was he? appear in a porn? He was, I think, a long time ago. Oh, my gosh. Really? Well, that's really? the whole thing with him, like, um, paying off porn stars. I almost yeah. don't believe it, because I feel like Trump would, like, if he banged a porn star, would brag about it. He'd be proud. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't, almost it's, feel a, like it's part of his brand. 30000 is cheap hush money. That's almost like a tip for him. Yeah, she did, I agree. Well, she did that's a bad so job, whoever her. Yeah. But, so, uh, anyways, so it's, play. it's called The Red Wool. It's at Dixon Place. Uh, Thursday, January 18th at 7.30 p.m. And you can get it on ovationticks.com. Nice. Or you can look for the Red Wool at Dixon Place and Google that. That's here yeah. in New York. I might, I might, I might be in the house. Excellent. I get a sitter. Cap. You, you can meet Kaplan. <laughs> yes, yeah. come meet Kaplan. I will be in Hong Kong by then. But. But. You got to go. Yeah. And if is mm-hmm. it going to, so we one night and then. Um, then it will be other places and uh, we'll soon. Uh, it stars. Um, uh, Catherine Misley, uh, who's in The Elephant Man on Broadway. Uh, Greg Cotis, cool. who co-wrote You're in Town. Uh, Stephen Dexter, who was one of the stars of Billions. All right. Uh, wow, this and, is great. Yeah, it's a great... It's, we, have a, we have a terrific cast, uh, and it stars Paul Bukok, who you may know as uh, from the Venture Brothers as the eunuch, who's who's quite good. To his friends, Colin Bukaki. Rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. We still got time. I, I didn't say that. Paul. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's 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 a terrific cast. So we're uh, um, I'm looking for I'm I'm looking forward to this reading. So it's a it's a new play. No one's it's been had it had one reading before. Uh, had some lovely new changes, and uh, it's absolutely filthy. So don't bring your kids. Amazing. Oh, I won't bring the kids. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, let's uh, let's, let's get, get to the news. Yeah, let's do the news. All right. Jeremy's still in the house. First news story of the week. America. This comes to us from Liberty Viral, Kaplan. Ooh. American Airlines. American Airlines withholds children from father over clerical oh, error. <laughs> what is this? Oh, jeez. This is. Is this about me? It. I think it is. <laughs> American Airlines needs Breaking to get it news. together. A father shouldn't have to fight to pick his kids up from the airport. Kids should not have to put be put through this. Uh, my, what my, happens? Okay, my brother uh, was, uh, my kids had gone to visit my brother, their their uncle, in Indianapolis. And, <laughs> you know, they put, they, they have that, 
that system where they'll put a you know a little tag around them, send the kids back to you, or you know if they you, fly, so them, you if they fly, fly themselves. Them. Yeah, it's unaccompanied minors. Oh yeah, I used right. to do that. In the old days, we still were little. Yeah, know. yeah, and so my you know, and then my kids get sent back to me, and my brother puts down my you know my name and my wife's name, but be, but I guess because they don't they can't put enough it it can't hold enough characters because. The system is still in COBOL or something. Okay. They decide to just put the mother's name down because dads can't. Dads are useless, as we all know from every sitcom. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So according to Jim, <laughs> syndrome I call it. According, exactly. Is that a Tim <laughs> Allen show? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so I come and pick up the kids, you know, an hour early, and they say, "Oh, well, we don't, we don't have you picking up any kids. Who are you? <laughs> and you're some kind of kidnapper. Right. And you've got a, a beard and." <laughs> and right, and I'm waiting for my kids, and I'm like, look, they're on the plane now. Can I have them, please? Just bring them out and right. show them to me. Let them point out whoever in this right. right. so lineup. Get five other guys that have a standard lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and of course, the person who's, you know, you know, the person who's dealing with me is just barely above minimum wage and doesn't have you know, can't be expected right. to make any kind of decision. Right, they have a manager, right? They gotta go to the... They gotta, yeah, the manager's nowhere to be found, and and the manager goes, well, this is above my pay grade. And I'm like, it's not above mine! I'm but was your dad. wife, you couldn't, would you call, could they call your wife? Or you, she no, was... No, I'm basically the primary caregiver, you know, so... Right, but I mean, like, were they saying, like, we have to get her on the phone? Because she's... why is that? But I gave them my wife's number. Right, I yeah. could have given them, you know... Right, right, right. You know, you know, my my co-core's number and say, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Oh, right, Paris. true. If you give any woman's number, right, exactly. <laughs> a woman's voice. James Lipton's <laughs> co-core in Paris. systems go, there's right, a few that, holes yeah, in it. That is true. The putting the people on the phone thing in general so is never. So they just wouldn't give you your kids? They wouldn't give me my kids for like an hour. And then, fine, of course, I'm like, look, so I'm going to call the cops right. at this point. And like I show them my, they have the same last name as me, which is not a common name. Karakin? K-A-R-E-K-E-N? Yeah. It's not, and the my you know my wife's name has a different name from me. Sure, but they just assume I'm you know according right. to Jim Belushi, <laughs> I'm gonna throw my kids in the street or something. I mean, I would look at it. Yeah, if I I would be like you know I haven't seen the kids in a while. I get another hour. I'll go to the bar. I guess the airport, <laughs> that's something. what you would be expected to do. <laughs> at the airport bar. Yeah, I'm playing I feel the like, character. Am I calling the cops? Is really an old school move. I feel like most people just tweet that now. They like tweet at the airline until they get their kids back. Yeah. But well, I mean, if you want to have, that's what I did. Basically, yeah, you did do that. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah, because if you want to have equality, I mean, it's got to work both. Like, um, if, well, yeah, if a mom shows up because they're expecting women, right. this is also a face of sexism because they expect women to be the caregivers. Right. Yes, when which, I should be expected as right, which is and it is a thing that like women do. Like, I know that like when I'll be with both kids, like. Uh, it's like like if Rand, like when Randy goes away, everyone will give me like, oh my god, are, are you okay? I can't believe you made it here. You're surviving, uh, but they wouldn't say that to her if I was away. True, and like you know, well, like, and I'll be outside. Socks are unmatched. Yeah. that's the you know they eat, they're fine. Yeah, but, but I'll be out in public with both kids, and like a random woman will be like, like if the kids aren't listening or whatever, they'll be like, <laughs> now you know how mom feels, as if like I'm what? Like, like they just assume like every dad is like a deadbeat who's all we're not around all day, doesn't know what's going well, on. Yeah, you know, like when my kids were you know babies, and I went to take them to like a man. Manhattan Park or a Queens Park, like a lot of mothers would look at me like, what is that guy doing here? <laughs> yeah. He must be some kind of creep. And I'm like, no, I'm a responsible dad. These are my children. These are my children. I mean, I get those looks too at the playground, but that's because like they see on my phone, I'm like placing like teaser bets in the playoffs. Coming so, up to your kids and saying, are you being kidnapped? No. <laughs> so how did Liberty, Liberty Viral pick up the story? Oh, I started complaining about it online, of course, like everybody does today. <laughs> and they probably follow Jeremy because he's, okay, yeah. he's a big they, wig in the... <laughs> if they could find him in Cuba, they could find him on a... By the way, we've been saving this story for like six months. Yeah. We first decided, we're like, we gotta get Jeremy on, and then it's taking this long to do it. Right, well, oh, it was, I'm, still, I'm still pissed off at that American <laughs> Airlines. Fuck. And they gave me like a $150 oh, voucher. voucher. That's all you got? I love the voucher. For holding my kids for an hour, like... Again, women they would give a better voucher to because women would get would. would get more irate if they. Well, they would never... <laughs> no, actually, my wife was calmer than I was. She's like, "You have to stop threatening to call the police." Like, what else am I supposed to do to kidnappers? Yeah, you got to call the police. Yeah. Next story from from the New York Post. All right. Okay, one. A source tells Page Six. <laughs> a source tells Page Six that NBC employees have been ordered to report. Any inappropriate relationships in the workplace, and if they fail to do so, they could be fired for covering up for colleagues. What is so this, the Stasi? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a country I used to live in. Yeah. yeah. 
A source says romantic relationships at work are not exactly unusual, but now NBC is taking taking a zero tolerance to, zero tolerance approach. Staffers have been told that if they find out about any affairs, romances, inappropriate relationships, or behavior in the office, they have to report it to human resources. Plus, this person says there's been a series of ridiculous rules issued on other office conduct. One rule relates to hugging. If you wish to <laughs> hug a colleague, you have to do a quick hug and then an immediate release. I always do a shoulder first hug, so I can't be accused of like going in to get the the nipple to nipple thing. Yeah, you, know? you got to stay. I'm. A, this is all great news. What? Because I never know. I never can tell with the with the like body language if you're because some people well, you, you do a hug, do a double some kiss, people a do the double kiss, some people do the single kiss, some people like just want to shake your hand. Right. I never know. So exactly. now I can use this. I'm not. I'm not hugging anybody. Handshake. Women. No, I'll get, I'm not even going to give a handshake because I don't know. You could hold your hand too long. That could be creepy. Oh, so just the nothing. I'm doing nothing. You know what? You know what? In China, they do the nothing. They do the nothing. And it feels huh. a little, it feels unusual at first, but then you're like, yeah. hot. You, you get used to it. Just, I've started you know. doing that. I feel when I have a, uh, I, I don't even have a cold, and I'll say, I think I'm getting a little something. I'll give you the, you know, the Ebola handshake with the elbows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. But I'm not even, I just Some don't people do the fist pump. The other thing they don't do in China, they don't do the God bless you. And I don't yeah. think it's a, I don't think it's a PC thing. They, they just, just say God, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say but, you are so good looking. But no, I feel like, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone sneezes, you go fuck But off. I would be happy to get rid of the God bless you and the, any type of. I mean, look, when I, me I remember being in college, like freshman year, and you'd run into like girls you just were like friends with, and they'd give you like the kiss on the cheek. This was a great new discovery. Is, yeah. So oh, it is sexual, is what I'm saying. That never happened until college. No high school girl ever did kiss on the cheek. And I think what happens all they're trying to be sophisticated. In yeah, college. they want to seem they like they're French. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a media company saying that people in the company can't have relationships. They right. can't date. They did you see? You're that? a stand-up comedian. Why in God's name did you get into this business? To get Except laid. Exactly. <laughs> My wife came to a show. There was now a we're married. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Bada bing, bada uh, boom, bada bang. Me too. Hashtag. Uh, <laughs> you hashtagging for my wife? Yeah, I'm hashtagging for my wife. Although I, I, I didn't. My, I met my wife in high school, so that, that's entirely... Were you, you weren't a teacher there, High school right? play? No, I wasn't okay. a teacher. I wasn't, no, I wasn't a teacher. <laughs> Wait, she sure. was a junior, I was a senior. I'll me too, hashtag oh, for your wife. Me too, you're a senior. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, we're oh, Jesus. I just thinking of all the things I might have done when I was dating her. Kaplan met his wife at my brother's bachelor party. Speaking of me too's, <laughs> you guys are out on the town. Wait a minute, hold it, hold it. What did she do before? That <laughs> yeah. I know she wasn't. It was a it was an international Jewish night at the at the nightclub. Oh, okay. it wasn't at the strip club? <laughs> it wasn't a strip club. And you know, we took his brother to. Well, I but, like the idea of an international Jewish night at a strip club, though. That'd be fun. Great idea for the, all our strip club promoters out there. <laughs> yeah. listening. So the last <laughs> thing that comes off is your shadle. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, I think this article also said. Oh, there's one more line. Should I read the yeah, last yeah. line? What's the last one? Also, there's another rule. There's strict rules about socializing, including not sharing taxis home and not taking vegans to steakhouses. Wait, this is, not wait. taking vegans to steakhouses? That's considered sexual assault? I guess so. I don't even because oh because maybe I don't know maybe meat is like a natural aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> the taxi home I can understand because the taxi. Oh, wait, home, vegans are not a religion. Is. It's not like. I, right, exactly. Vegan is not like you. What? Like, can I take a can I take a a Muslim to a pork restaurant too, or can I not take a? Not if you were going to be well, probably. You but know, my ran, ran, my wife my wife works for an Indian because vegans and are, it's a vegan company. So squeaky like all, wheel gets the grease. They're the most annoying. Is so that they, it? They, they get what they want. The <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they should ban you from taking people to restaurants with alcohol if they're like this is. I, I don't, right, if you're in recovery, uh, but the taxi like, cab thing. I mean, well, so now everyone's got to take a taxi cab by themselves. Take an Uber. Doesn't make sense because you're it's basically like this couch. Thing in the back, right. and you've probably had a few drinks after the Christmas party. Oh, this is your move. I don't know. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> just I'm thinking like that makes a lot of sense, and you kind of rustle. That makes the most sense. The right, but what if she's so drunk from the Christmas party that she's not going to get home? She and has to you drive. As a coworker. She should drive. She has to drive. But you as a coworker, like I'm going to help make sure. What she would you get rather? <laughs> I'm going to get her on her motorcycle and make sure she gets home. Night as eight. long as you don't take her to a steakhouse. Yeah, as long <laughs> as you don't don't take. All right, so these are the rules: no hugs and no steak. <laughs> exactly. No for vegans. Exactly. <laughs> all right, that is the podcast. Oh, this That's is it? great. That was it, <laughs> Jeremy. Right. Thanks. For, should we do one more news story? Do another news story. All right, doing. we'll do one last news story. Always at it. This <laughs> is from allthatisinteresting.com. <laughs> all right, I don't know what their their Gavin. slant is. Silicon Valley trendsetters paying $25 per gallon for raw live water are probably poisoning themselves. <laughs> raw, this raw, raw water thing is one of the... First of all, it's impossible to say. 
Raw water? It is impossible to say. I never heard about it water? until Kaplan sent me the story yesterday. Unfiltered water. Well, isn't it all water? Like if you go to a like a river and just start drinking yeah, it. But if you boil it in order to kill, like say, a, a pathogen, right. it's not raw anymore. If you filter it, it's not raw anymore because you're. I, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I like. Why so, would you do that to yourself? Well, I grew up with a well, so yeah. not like an old school well that you have to go pull. You know, like like get a bucket and pull it out yeah, of. A lot of people. But our house runs on a well. Yeah. Like we had some uh, Indian guy. Uh, and my parents always American say Indian, or... so I don't know if it's Native American or right. a guy from India. Right. I still You're to this people, day, Pocahontas. I still to this day don't know. It could have been either. People don't say daughter feather. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. So an Indian guy came when I was apparently when they were building my parents' house. And went around the property with like a, a stick, and oh, then a divining stick. Yeah, and then the stick bent, and then he's like, "Okay, you got to dig your well right here. There's water under there." It worked. No, we've it had, doesn't. We've had free water my entire life. It does not work. They they. You have the, a well, really, in your house? The divining, yeah. The divining Tyler and I grew rod. up on a well. That's why I thought you sent me this story. <laughs> First of all, you dig down deep enough anywhere, you'll get to a water table anyway. So you you pay the people with the divining rods, and I think that's an old European thing, and for European old yes. Indian old too. sparks. They might have gotten it from the of some uh, kind. We're not right. sure which, <laughs> but they might have gotten it's either it. Either <laughs> but it's it's medicine show horseshit. So why the it stick works. doesn't do, no? You dig down a hundred feet. There's always water. Water. Oh, no matter where he would have ended up, it no would have worked. Where, he might have gone down a hill and thought, "Well, this is probably as good a place as any." Yeah. But okay, so shout out to Gary Sparks, yeah. who's my dad, also accountant of the pod. But he didn't believe it. And my mom totally believed it. She was all for it. She's like, we got to hire this guy. we got to pay him $1,000 or whatever it was. There was no was. magic in sticks that finds water. But it then couldn't. my dad says that they walked around the property, and the guy like told my dad, like, hold this stick, and it worked for my – like, my dad could hold it, too. Yeah, Ouija boards people think work, too. They don't work. <laughs> wow. It's – yeah, no. So, the whole so was, don't you think that the CrossFit type people can get really into raw raw water? Raw water. Wait, I what mean, does raw water mean? Does this mean what I grew up on? Just a well? I don't know. Was there any filtration? I mean, it could I have don't been. think so. No, I think no it was, fluoride. I don't think I grew up with fluoride because oh that's uh, that's isn't a it, communist plot. They used to say that's yeah. supposed to kill. I had you. a teacher tell me that fluoride. as a kid. It's a communist plot. <laughs> Fluoride's a communist. Plot? Yeah, she told us that. Second grade, Mrs. Knapp, shout out. Your teacher taught you that. A teacher of ours. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But guess who didn't have fluoride in their water? The communist. Communist. Yeah, that's the irony. I know. I remember once I was in Wyoming and we were on. There was like this like water, natural water, and we were just drinking it. It was the greatest. It was so amazing. It tastes delicious. And then some guy came by and he's like, "Y'all gonna die." And he's well, like, you got to take these pills. And was, but is that what, raw read? water? I mean, yeah, that could be raw water, but spring water is usually fine. And yeah. most water is usually fine. Well, shout out to that guy. You were wrong. We didn't die. Can I read this? what he says? Yeah. So Bill Mahler is, the, uh, is a lawyer and food safety advocate. All right. Like, so what, I don't know what, what he knows. Mean? He means uh, he's a lawyer. He says, <laughs> unfiltered, untreated water, even from the cleanest streams, can contain animal feces, spread gi- mm. gyardia. <laughs> Girardia? Girardia. <laughs> Which has symptoms such as vomiting and diarrhea as a re- result, and results of roughly 4,600 hospitalizations a year. Hepatitis A, blah, 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 blah. E. coli, cholera, they can all be transmitted. Whatever. Yeah. I'm still alive. Well, but I, what I, don't th- I don't think you had – well water is probably pretty clean, and they test it. Yeah, and but, it still maybe goes through a filter that I just never knew about. Yeah, and plus, if you, the chances are the f- the water that anybody drinks is will have had some feces. feces at some point. Yeah, that's true. We live all in right, well, all right. So you, the the lesson today is don't drink water, people. Don't, don't drink, drink water. water. It's overrated. Stick to scotch. Stick yeah. to scotch. It's it's always raw. But if you do want to, you can get it for twenty five dollars a gallon at Bonnaroo. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's what really, that's what these hippies are selling. Oh my god, I'll so. send you clean water for thirty. Yeah, we should start. <laughs> and should start its own water next day. <laughs> it's water. water. water for forty dollars <laughs> a cup. All right, all right, Jeremy. Thanks for doing it. Glad to be here. Go Thank see you. the play on Thursday night. Thursday, yes. January eighteenth at seven thirty. At, at where Dixon again? Place. Dixon Place. Dixon in Place, New York. Side. Check it out. Thanks, right. Cap. What should we do? Get lost. Check out the reflections in my eyes See, they always used to be there Even when this all was grass And I sang and danced up on a high rise And you were laughing at my helmet hat Laughing at Go ahead.
Good.